Well, good morning. It's good to be with you here once again. Um, my name is Randy Carlberg, and, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at the church. And I feel a little bit like uh, uh, like back in my, my college days. I, uh, I, um, in high school, I, uh, I played baseball, and uh, I was an outfielder, and uh, played a little third base. Um, but I, I really wanted to, to play baseball in college. And so I graduated from high school, went to college, and they said, uh, well, you can't hit your weight, which, if you have no idea what that means, uh, batting average is, uh, is how they mark uh, how, how good a hitter is. Uh, if you hit 300, 300, you know, uh, 0.3% of the time, I don't know how to describe it, but 0.3% of the time, you're, you're one of the best there ever was. If you hit 200, uh, you're not very good. If you're under 200... Uh, why even bother? Uh, but uh, anyway, I, uh, I, you know, weighed about 185, 190. So they're like, eh. But they said, you got a pretty good arm. And so they said, well, we're going to put you in, uh, we're going to make a pitcher out of you. And I'm like, all right, well, I just want to play. Let's, let's do it. So, so I, uh, I pitched uh, four years in, in college. Um, I uh, uh, was what they call a closer, which means you come in for the last, you know, three, six outs, whatever. So, uh, so I came out of the bullpen. Uh, whenever they needed a little help, they, uh, you know, would tap on the old wrist and, and come out of the bullpen and, and, uh, and kind of try and finish the job. So uh, I'm, I'm the one that gets to come in this week and, and, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully give you something worthwhile from the Lord. Um, we've been going through the, a study this summer called uh, Nine Marks of the Healthy Church, uh, a book um, by Mark Dever. And uh, we've been we've been taking these uh, nine marks that he that he brings out as as uh, marks of the healthy church, and and we've been kind of uh, comparing them to to our church and and uh, how how God can can use us here and what uh, what He asks us to do. You know, there are many people that uh, see that becoming a Christian um, is akin to joining a club or an organization. What's it What's it going to take to get in? Just let me know. What's, what's it going to take? Um, once you're in, you're good to go. Oh, good. Glad I, glad I did that one. Check that off the list. I'm good to go. As long as you attend enough meetings, as long as you keep your face familiar, give a little support, maybe contribute financially here or there, maybe some time, we're acceptable. We're good. We're, we're, doing, we're doing well. Major events that come up in the club, you know, during the year, you got to go to some major events. Um, don't want to think about missing those because those are ones where really people pay attention as to, you know, whether you're there or there or not. And then, uh, you know, connections, relationships, those are nice, uh, good to have. It's nice to have. That's one of the reasons why you're at the club, you know, but let's not get crazy, all right, with relationships and stuff. And as long as I can live my life, and the organization doesn't ask for too much, my time, doesn't step on my, on my toes, my lifestyle, then we're all good. Right? And that's, that's the way a lot of people approach the Christian life. The problem is, the one who designed the Christian life, the one who it's all about, that is not what he had in mind. As a matter of fact, he's, uh, he doesn't think that's how it should go. And so we look at... Uh, Marks of a healthy church, what makes this a healthy church body? Okay, what, what, what makes this work according to God's uh, standards? And uh, we talked last week 
um, about uh, mark of a healthy church, and that is um, that it's it's spiritual growth, it's discipleship, it's 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 growing um, together, and and um, personal discipleship and personal growth and, and, and corporate discipleship and corporate growth. And this flows uh, in, in the face. It's contradictory towards that membership uh, mentality. And so we talked, uh, we talked last week about Jesus' commandment in, uh, in Matthew 28. He said in verse 19, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so um, that's what Christ commanded his followers, his disciples, his church to do. And unfortunately, or truthfully really, fortunately, Jesus did not leave the club membership as an option for his followers, for true Christians. And that is fortunate. Doesn't mean it's easy, it means it's fortunate. This is not only a command for individuals, but this is a command for his church, for his his bride, uh, the church. So this week we're going to look at a little bit more uh, a corporate command to the church to make disciples, realizing that there are there are overlaps uh, that are entwined in personal spiritual growth and organizational spiritual growth, and uh, and spiritual growth occurs when you have an introspective view that considers the needs of others as more important than your own, and the glory of God's kingdom is more important than your own. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit today. A critical aspect involved in spiritual growth is investing in or discipling others. And uh, two elements um, as far as discipling others. One is to be in personal relationship and personal discipleship of others. Of others. And uh, the other is a strategy, a corporate strategy of discipleship and growth and, 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 uh, and uh, working with others, teaching with others. And so last week, again, we, we uh, talked about what biblical disciples look like. And this week, we're going to talk about uh, spiritual growth in the church, which has a great deal to do with people living in community with each other and seeking to make biblical disciples. As I said last week, one of the major distinctives here at Anchorage Grace Church, which is lift, listed uh, on, the, on the top of your, your bulletin there, um, is we believe in making biblical disciples. But a second distinctive that we hold to here at Anchorage Grace Church is building community. And those two go together really, really well. As a matter of fact, it's very hard to do apart from each other. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jeff uh, said this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm accurate on this. I wrote it down. If you are not evangelizing people, you are missing out on the Christian life. And that is, that is true. I agree with that. If you're not evangelizing people, you are missing out on richness in the Christian life. 
But I would say that if you are not involved in discipleship, you are missing out on the Christian life. And so today I'm aiming to address four questions uh, uh, there regarding spiritual growth in the church. Number one, what does spiritual growth in the church look like? Second question is, uh, what role are believers to have in spiritual growth of the church? The third question is, what is my responsibility in spiritual growth of others? And lastly, what steps can I take in being a part of the spiritual solution, spiritual growth solution here at Anchorage Grace? (coughs) Excuse me. So firstly, what what does spiritual growth in the church look like? Again, Matthew 18, Jesus calls for humble submission to the Godhead for his disciples. That's what he calls us to. And uh, making disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples where? All the nations, right? The whole world. It's not your own little locale. It's not your own little, little uh, corner of, uh, of Anchorage. It is, it is the whole world. Be about that. Make disciples of all the nations. So it is a strategy. There's a strategy involved that has to come with that, that uh, making disciples thing going on there. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, we, we talked a little bit more about that last week. But, but it is the identifying with Christ. It is asking people to make a commitment to be identified with Christ. To say, yes, I, I am recognized that I am, I am surrendering and following uh, the Lord Jesus Christ with my life. Next uh, part, he says, teaching uh, them to observe um, the commandments. And that is a huge part of spiritual growth in the church, is the teaching. All right, It is, it is teaching its people the Bible and what the Bible is about, including what, what is stated here, the commandments of Jesus Christ and how they fit into God's word. It's an amazing, beautiful thing when you start unpacking uh, God's word, and you start seeing how it it all fits together and, and aligns, and and Christ's commandments are, are a major part of that. And the last part is um, teaching them to observe. So it's the, it's the obedience to to Christ's commandments, and uh, the church corporately must also teach obedience to God's word. That's what we're called to do. That's that's our charge. That's where we're at. And I would argue that if a church is not doing what we fully believe, what we hold to, we say, do you believe in the Great Commission? Do you believe what's found here in Matthew 28? Yes, yes, I believe that. If a church is not fully doing that, making disciples, baptizing, teaching, obeying, if they're not doing it, where's your credibility? What, what are you really doing? That's, that's such, so foundational to what the Christian life is about and what, what God has called you to do. Where is the integrity if that is not who you are about, if that is not what you do? For me, one of the highest compliments that someone can give a church is to say that they really believe, those people there really believe what they say they believe. They really believe what they say they believe. That, what more can you ask for? You know, that is what we're about. And when you're grounded on God's word and you really believe what you say you believe, it's amazing. 
These elements, they must be foundational in Christ's church. They must be foundational. Obviously, studying God's Word is, is, uh, is incredibly important. Uh, doing that together through preaching, through Bible studies, through teaching. Uh, we looked last week uh, at, at uh, Acts 17 where Bereans, the noble ones, they went back and studied, examining as to whether those who were teaching them were really teaching according to God's Word, according to Scripture, or not. And that's what I would challenge all of us to do, to, to be about doing that. But spiritual growth in the church happens when people share their struggles and their joys with each other. When someone is genuinely hurting with you, alongside of you, or they are so genuinely excited for the amazing things that God is doing in your life, that's when a genuine love love is noticeable. That's when you're going, wow. There is, there is something to this. We're, we're in this together. They genuinely care about me and my family and what's going on there. Support from other church family members with prayer and encouragement can make all the difference in the world when we are going through excruciating, difficult times in life. And make no mistake, you will go through excruciatingly difficult times in life. It, it's unavoidable. You can't escape it. But depending on others, having them walk through it with you, having them speak into your lives, having them share with you through those difficult times, having them be so excited for you when you're going through joyous times, that is, that is what community is about. That is what the Christian life is about. Turn over, if you would, uh, to Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4... The Apostle Paul tells us that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Let me read Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Did you see that how we are to, to live our lives in a worthing manner? It is with humility and gentleness. Humility and gentleness. And we looked at last week how, how Scripture tells us that humility and gentleness, living your lives in that way, really is a sign of spiritual maturity. When you, when you live your life that way, when you humbly um, are living your lives um, with others. Bearing one, a, one another up in love. That needs to be our culture. That must be our culture. That's a part of being community here. That's, that's what we're talking about. Verse 3 uh, says that we are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let, let the implications of that and how you live your life sink in just for a few moments, okay? Just think about that. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. If you have unity and peace in your community, in your body, in the, those around you, is that a pretty special place? That is. 
That's what we are called to. That's what we're, we're to be. That is, is what it is to be about. You know, one thing that stands out to me here when it, when it calls us to unity is that unity is not the same as uniformity. Right? I'll say that again. Unity is not the same as uniformity. In other words, we're not all to look the same. We're not all to act the same and have the same talents and skill sets. And No, no. We are a body. We are a body with many parts that work together for common goals that God, in his word, has given us to do. But we must, we must have unity around his word. It is critical that we have unity around his word. Unity built on things other than biblical truth is a shaky foundation. And you can look around to see unity that's built on things other than God's word. And it gets pretty shaky. But unity on God's word, when you're committed to that and committed to love, is an amazing thing. As I mentioned last week, there are specific roles in the church giving structure to the body. We want to jump down there in Ephesians 4 to, to verse 11. I read 11 through 13. It says, And he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, spiritual leaders in the church bear a responsibility to equip the saints. That is their responsibility given by God. Verse 13, the goal for equipping and building up the church is spiritual maturity. That's the goal. That's that's what we we are to do and, and what it's about. Again, Anchorage Grace is not a perfect place that doesn't have issues. We're not. Uh, The people would have to leave in order for that to happen, right? So we're not a perfect place. However, how do we go about walking and living and breathing and and going together? We're we're working together in the unity uh, of God's Word and how we conduct ourselves. And we're we're striving, we're going for spiritual maturity uh, and growth with love for each other. This is a place where we desire to love each other as we grow and as we work through our issues. It was summed up, it's, it's summed up well in 2 Thessalonians 1.3. Let me, let me read that quick. I, I, love this, uh, I love this verse. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 says this, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love for every one of you for one another is increasing. That's what it's about. Spiritual growth looks like loving one another, loving each other. That's what spiritual growth looks like. Well, the second question there, what role are believers to have in spiritual growth of the church? 
What is the role? Paul's command to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, 2, 1 through 2. It says this. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrusted to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So faithful believers are to teach to faithful believers. We are to be about passing down this this biblical truth. Biblical truth is not meant to be kept to oneself. It is to be shared. It is to be passed down to different generations. And whoever will listen, whatever sphere of influence you have, you are to pass down that biblical truth. You know, Timothy's example is, is, uh, is given here. In, in just the, the chapter before that, in, in 2 Timothy 1.5, listen to what Paul says about Timothy's uh, Christian heritage. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. You know, Timothy accepted the faith of his mother. That spoke to him. It resonated with him. It impacted his heart. He accepted that faith. And that faith was passed down to his mother Eunice from his grandmother Lois. And it's generation of generation. And so now you have this grandmother who, who greatly loves her daughter and shares with her daughter. And you have this daughter who greatly loves her son and she shares with her son. And now you have her son who is doing what? He's the leader of a church. He is sharing with anyone who will listen what the good news, what the gospel, what the biblical truth is. And, and that's how it's supposed to be. That's, that's how discipleship is. That's what spiritual growth in the corporate body is. It is sharing biblical truth with each other. You know, a question might be asked. Is the passing down of biblical truth to be a structured uh, program, event, things like that, or is it to be organic? Is it to be structured, uh, laid out, here's, here's our plan, here's how we do it, and here's how we go forth? Or is it to be organic? Is it just supposed to come out of you? And the answer is, yes, it is. It's to be both of those. It's not to be exclusively one or the other. There is to be structured teaching and discipleship in the church. There is. We have to have it. We must have that. But there is also an organic side, a a life-on-life discipleship that happens between people in the church. That element has to be there as well. Both of these have to, to, to be used together. And I feel strongly that for us to grow spiritually as a church, each of us must be involved in structured and organic discipleship at different levels. We need to be involved in those. The mentality that it's the church leader's job to grow the church spiritually is is inaccurate. It's not the church leadership's job to grow the church spiritually. Number one, who's the one who brings spiritual growth? The Lord, 
right? It is God's job, number one. But it is the church's job to grow when its people grow in the love for and the obedience of Christ, they grow spiritually. It's the, it's the leader's role to pilot the church through the stormy pass of spiritual maturity. That's the church leader's job. It's to set the conditions. It's to direct. It's to guide. It's to, it's to get through that stormy pass and to make it through to the other side, to spiritual growth. And so each of us has a role in the spiritual maturity of our church, in spiritual growth of our church. Each of us does. And it's both organic and it's both structured, those together. Well, the third question is, what is my responsibility in the spiritual growth of others? Great question. What, what, what is my responsibility? What am I called to? The number one responsibility that you have in spiritual growth is your family. Number one. Number one responsibility that you have is your family and wherever you fit in your family. And I can prove that to you. I can prove that, that uh, really, without any trouble at all, that that is the number one responsibility that each of us have. Let's look at uh, 1 Timothy 3. Verses 1 through 5. Here, uh, Paul is, is giving qualifications for leadership in the church. And he says this. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his household well, his own household well, sorry, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? The qualifications for leadership in the church, you have to have your household in order, right? You have to manage your household well. What does that look like, the other qualifications? That's not this morning. That's another day. But, but right now, you must have your, your house in order. So if the leaders of the church must have your household in order, then, and that's what disqualifies you, then that's the number one ministry. And so for each of us, as members of the body, our number one ministry is our family. That is who we have... Who we have um, Oversight over, that is who we have the responsibility of. That is where we're supposed to go, okay? And that is what we're supposed to be there. Now, are you responsible that everyone in your family is, is a committed Christian and a follower of Jesus? Are you responsible for that? You're not that powerful. <laughs> but you better set the table. You better, you better make it possible. It better not be a surprise. Devotions better not be a... We're going to do what? We never, you know, we've never, we're going to open the word? We never, you know, shouldn't be a surprise, right? You should set, you should set the table there. Our first ministry is our family. If, if that's not in order in the way it should be, then you're not qualified to, to be a leader in the church. 
And so naturally, that's how each of us uh, sees our, our first our first ministry there. We are to make sure that discipleship and growth is a regular part of our family. We are to make sure that our family is not is is a part of discipleship making in the church. What what is this uh, this um, structured discipleship making here? How how do we a part of that? You need to be a part of that. You need to make sure that that is a part of the lives. Of, of your family and whatever that looks like for your particular situation. You know, Jesus speaks to responsibilities um, in discipleship. And uh, if we read John chapter 4, starting in verse 34 through 38, it says this, John 4, 34 through 38. Excuse me. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say, There are yet four months, and then come harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that a sower and a reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. You know, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 4 through 9, Paul talks a little bit more about kind of this reaping and sowing thing and, uh, and, and kind of some things that happened in the early church. And so he, he is talking about... Um, he and Apollos, and, and uh, you're, you're uh, hopefully familiar with this chapter um, in 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 4. It says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. See, there we go. God's the one that gives growth, right? So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. Don't forget that part. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. God is the, is the one that gives the growth. Make no mistake about it. God's the one that gives the growth. It's, it's not us. We're just, we just have the privilege of being used by him to work for his kingdom, for his glory. The body shares in the process of discipleship with different roles. We are all critical. Some of us plant. Some of us water. Some of us reap. You know? Um... Three of our children, this is the only church they've known, right? Growing up here. And there are those of you who have shared the Lord with them. And they've come to know him through their time here. You're planting. Others are watering. Maybe you plant at three, four, six years old, and you water. But then at 15, we reap a harvest. Or maybe 18. It's, it's different roles that we have in the church. All of them are critical. 
Some plant, some water, some tend, some harvest. Is this not what discipleship is all about? Have a role. Have a role. And all of us can have a role here. You know, let's look at an example that Paul shared in the household of Lydia. It's from Acts chapter 16. And uh, Lydia, I, I, I love Lydia and the, the, the story of Lydia. Uh, she was a successful businesswoman. And uh, she, uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy were traveling on a, uh, a missionary journey. And they were kind of uh, getting some flack here and there and whatever. And, and uh, as, you know, happened fairly frequently to Paul. But uh, they came to Philippi. And, uh, and that's where we're going to pick it up here in, in uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 11. It says, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed that there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after, she was baptized, and her household as well. She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, when it says that, uh, that she prevailed upon us, I, th- I think that's a, a little bit of an understatement, and we'll see here in a minute. The result of her faith was the salvation of her family. And we don't know a whole lot about her family, but we know that her family came to know the Lord and was baptized into the faith. And, uh, it start- and what also came about there, and, and we see later on, is that a church was started and held in her home. She hosted a church in her home. So not only did she prevail upon them, come stay with us, we'll give you food, we've got a place for you to sleep, and we can, we can, this will be really good. But she started a church that lived on and on, and Paul wrote back to that, to that church. So here's a woman, worshiper of God, hears growth, saying, what role can I have? How can I make growth happen here? I know. I got a home. Why don't we come together and you can use my home? And that's what she did. Amazing. Amazing. And so my question for us is, how are you doing with the responsibility of discipleship in your own home and in your immediate sphere of influence? How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Second question I have is, how are you doing with having role, a role of planting or watering or tending or weeding or reaping a spiritual harvest in God's fields? Are you getting after that? Do you got a role? Have you even thought about having a role? What could that be? What is God calling you to do? Well, the last question uh, that I have here is, what steps can I take in being a part of the spiritual growth solution here at at Anchorage Grace Church? (coughs) Excuse me. You know, 
You can say, I, 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 just, I just don't have the time to invest in my church community. I just, just don't have that time. And I would respond to you and to myself. I think your clock is messed up. I think we need to recalibrate a little bit. What's wrong with my priorities? If this is truly what I believe, truly what I'm called to, what am I doing? What am I doing with my time? You know, I've shared this before, and, and uh, I, just, I just love it, so I'm going to share it again. And uh, if you've heard it, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, hopefully it'll help you do a little check. Each of us has two spiritual documents, two spiritual documents that really show what our theology is. It is really what we do. It is, it is absolutely what we believe. we got two. Each of us has two. Your calendar and your checkbook. Those show what you really believe. Those are theological documents. Make no mistake about it. Those are theological documents. And you can look at those and see what's really important to you and what your priorities are. Convicting? Know the feeling. Jesus said, whoever finds his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's Matthew 10, 39. Is he lying to you? He's not? You got truth over here? All right. He's not lying to you. You can take him up on his uh, challenge there. Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life... For my sake, we'll find it. Psalm 37, uh, 3 through 4, it's a familiar passage. I'm sure you, I'm sure you know it, uh, one of my favorites. But it's, um, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you know anybody in this world that does not want the desires of their heart? Anybody? Doesn't matter how pagan you are, doesn't matter how spiritually, you all want the desires of your heart, right? We all do. So how is this verse accurate? It's saying, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will change your heart to be more like his. And you're saying, but I, but I don't, I, I'm not sure I want my heart changed. Well, at least you're honest. <laughs> but if you allow yourself to delight in the Lord and him fully, he will change your heart and you will be at peace and he will grant you the desires of your heart. That's a place where all of us wants to be. What role can you have in teaching others? Let's look quickly at uh, Titus chapter 2, 1 through 8. Titus 2, 1 through 8. It gives uh, instructions as kind of how things are, are supposed to shake down here, uh, here in the body. It says this, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. <coughs> Excuse me. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-control, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, and that the word of God may not be revealed." Sorry, reviled. Excuse me, reviled. Thank you. Uh, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. 
Show yourself in all aspects to be a model of good works and in your teaching showing integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that the opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. We are commanded to be together here in community as believers. We are commanded to have a role in people's lives. You know, when I started here um, on staff at the church, uh, 30 years old, uh, believe it or not, it's a long time ago. Um, and I, uh, I, ha- I have to admit, I had definitely, uh, wow, I need to learn, I need to glean, I need to, to uh, soak in from those that are older, those that have been around, those that are, are more mature in the faith and, and are there, and, and, and absolutely. And, and I'm not saying that I have arrived by any means. But I am saying the tables are turned. There's most people that are younger than me now. And so, uh, and so it is what role do I have to share what God has done in my life with those around? I have a role. I must be about that. It, we're, we're commanded to do that. We are to share what God has done in our own lives, both to encourage others and to advise others. And those of us who've had a few birthdays, you understand what we're saying. Don't make this mistake. Please don't make this mistake. It isn't worth it, right? Encourage and advise. You know, the reality is there are many opportunities available here at Anchorage Grace for you to live in a discipleship community. There are Bible studies throughout the week for, for all ages. All ages. There are several community groups that meet on a variety of days and times to to give you options to choose from. We need to be intentional in reaching out to others for meals, for hikes, for children play times, for uh, just helping when, when people need help. We need to take advantage of of the nine o'clock hour that we have here, and there's uh, there are classes each week. There's some excellent, excellent choices, different varieties for for all ages to uh, to choose from at nine a.m. So I would take advantage. I was I would get here and, and uh, become a part of one of those. It's 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 a a great role for spiritual growth. And I would look for opportunities to pray with others in our body. And then follow up on those prayer needs. Go back and say, you know, brother, I'm praying for you. You told me, how, how is your mother doing? Or what is going on? Did you, did you find a job yet? Are you there? You know, you know, talk with each other. Follow up on that. Spiritual growth in the body is not a job for the pastors and elders. They have a role, to be sure but that's not their job. Each of us has a role to help build the body in unity and spirit and in love. And I'm hoping and praying that each of us will will jump on that and take that role very, very seriously.